Dear Colgate, I love that you love that I love being at home. You even let me whiten my teeth from home. Because you know how I feel about getting up from my cloud couch. The Colgate Optic White LED Kit gives professional level results in just 10 minutes a day for 10 days when used as directed. And that's why, Colgate, I want you to meet my parents. Because ever since meeting you, I've been living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's funny that the person I've met in person accused me of not maybe existing. (laughs) 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 Now that's very jade right there. That's why it's funny. (laughs) You can't trust the real thing, Jake. No, you can't even trust things you see with your own two eyes. It was a night, Eden. It was a late night. Oh, man. That was a fun night. We hung out. I'm like, maybe she don't remember. <laughs> no, no, I remember. I'm totally just giving giving you guys shit. I thought it would be funny, especially if it was me that made the accusation. That's true. Yes, that's, that is what made it funny. <laughs> I've hung out with your wife. Exactly. <laughs> Shouts to Anona. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for being here to honor my dad's life and work. So when Rhea was planning this thing, she asked me to help out with a tribute of a certain flavor. Just remember, I'm not a professional. No, 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 Don't lecture me, you fucking can opener. Mace, you better fire it up, dude. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boy. Drive your fucking bird! They laugh in New York, and they they laugh in San Francisco, but they will not be laughing when the mouth of hell opens up and sucks. The whole world is in the power of the evil one, the devil. And the media that he uses to control the world is television. Days Network. 
a nuanced discussion about television that captures our imaginations. I'm your host, Anthony Mays, and I'm joined by Jake Hoy and Eden Liu. This week, we're bringing relevant donuts to the Tea Party for Succession Episode 2, <laughs> nice. Mass in Time of War. What a doozy of an episode. Just going to preface this right now. Jade Hoy, your brother. Did the full Jade Hoy experience texting me. Terrible app. This episode sucked. Yes. <laughs> they blew it. These writers don't know what they're doing. The next morning, watched it again. It was great. <laughs> Came all the way back around, did a full revolution of the earth to where I stand, which was this was another banger, guys. Wow. What a season. So far, so good. It was a lot to process. Yeah, that's where I'm at, is it's a lot. It wasn't as frantic as episode one. And we finally have family members together in rooms. There was a lot of talk, and I, I think Jade maybe was afraid of all the woke stuff. <laughs> when Kendall went on his woke rant. <laughs> oh, he gave his TEDx. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did his reactionary TEDx. That he's been working on since 15 minutes before he gave it. So this was same day, right? As last episode? Yeah. This has all been continuous since the finale of last year. But he clearly took a Valium in the bathroom. <laughs> he was quite a different man in this episode. He was calmer to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, not needy. That's his manic bipolar nature. He was assertive. He was earnest. And he was not desperate for any kind of pats on the back in this episode. I have to disagree with you, Jake. I will say that there was a moment in the show where I thought he was going to go pick up drugs. Mm. So this is our second consecutive episode where we're just keeping an eye on the background, waiting for the cocaine to come out. It's inevitable, right? He's an addict. It's Chekhov's cocaine. It's only a matter of time. Like we said in the in the last one, I mean, he behaves like an addict regardless of whether he's using in the moment or not. Yeah. So let's get into it. This week's cold open, we have an overhead shot of Shiv's car, and in the wake of last week, there's nothing I can do but be reminded of the OJ chase. Anytime we have a helicopter shot of a car moving through New York. <laughs> yes, yes. The phone rings, it's Logan. With a picture of Saddam Hussein as the contact photo. Yes. And we're off and running. There were these themes, right? It's funny because in this episode, I really like when Greg was walking out in the street and there was nobody around. I was like, that's a sign of COVID Manhattan, you know, mm -hmm. And even though it was probably supposed to be two in the morning, nevertheless. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting to see how they're manufacturing tension with this stuff about chase and fugitive status and everybody's kind of running from if not from each other they're running from the government you had all like the the, the great line from tom it's like the bosnians don't might want us to leave maybe <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean and then you got saddam showing up as the photo of her father which was hilarious do you think she did that after he went to bosnia like when saddam dug himself a cave <laughs> That he hid in? Has he always been the photo or is that just since she left the meeting in a tantrum like two hours ago? No. <laughs> exactly. Quick change. That's funny. Logan asks Tom where Shiv is, then hops on the phone with Roman to ask the same question. He needs to know where everyone is and what everyone's thinking. Roman's headed for a shit shave and a shower. Logan needs Connor, Marsha, Shiv, Ray, and Sid. I need you 
showing your face for me, son. But no one talk to that snake, Kendall. And keep Jerry close. Keep an eye on her. Logan trusts Roman. He plants the seed that Jerry is temporary, which we talked about last week, which is insanely evident in this episode. Yeah. I want to point out that I noticed a couple additions to the opening credits, including a shot of Waystar Studios and some updated headlines on the news tickers. Oh, really? I don't think this is Game of Thrones level, whatever's in the credits is where we're going type stuff. But mm. bringing Waystar Studios into the mix, we'll see if that becomes yeah a theme of this season. It's interesting because I've been enjoying that HBO Max has brought in the skip intro feature, even though I think those are great opening credits and I love the music, but the music is spread throughout the episode so much. I don't really need to hear that single version of it. We'll start with where the show started. Greg the Egg. Kendall wants Greg to get you and squared off, and Greg is afraid to call. Thinks Kendall should maybe just do it. Kendall asks if he's okay. You wondering if you tied your dick to a runaway train here? No, 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 no. You aren't Judasing, are you, Greg? No, no. Come on, let's huddle. Greg admits he's a bit scared. He doesn't want to go to Congress. He's kind of too young to be in Congress so much. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does that mean? <laughs> Tom keeps calling him to ask about the papers. Kendall doesn't have to tell anyone where he got the papers, which luckily is what he already promised Greg, so it's a good thing that he can't. And then Jess interrupts. Remy's here. What up? Remy in the house. Big things, big things. And Kendall offers to set Greg up with a lawyer. As Greg heads for the elevator, a literal Trojan horse is being wheeled out, and I cackled. Greg is slack-jawed, but he doesn't want to miss the elevator. And on his way out, he sees Shiv on her way in, right when Tom calls. Hello, Gregory. Creepy. Tom? This, this isn't the Tom number. I know. Aren't I clever? Hey, Gregory, is it true you have a saucy secret? I, I, I actually don't know what you're talking about. Do you, you like to do your house chores in the nude? Hello? What? What the fuck is going on? Greg? I don't know, man. I'm just an observer. I'm not a part of this necessarily. Well, Logan is very interested what you're up to. You don't come home to us, you're going to end up in a war camp. Logan is going to fire a million poisonous spiders down your dicky. You better find an animal's corpse to crawl into and hide. Greg insists that he's not a part of this necessarily. Maybe doesn't even know what the papers are or where they came from. He's scrambling and... Trades information that Shiv has arrived. Tom lies and says he knew, obviously, but keep it under the old Stetson for now. Okay, cowboy? Yes, sirree. What do you guys make of Tom withholding information from Logan? It's funny. I've just made me wonder whether Tom sent the donuts, but we'll save that for later. Whoa. Ooh, yes. Tom is most devoted to Shiv, even though it's rife with complications at the moment, right? So he never knows when he's going to be brought up to speed. He just plays things so carefully. So he's backing Shiv here. I think he is playing his cards close to the chest and getting what information he can and seeing how it goes before making a decision. That's how I'm seeing it. Well, and he doesn't know what Shiv's perspective on this yeah. is. And he can't reach her, so he can't well tell Logan she's there without being able to say why, why or, or how he figured it out or how he knows 
Because we know he doesn't have the balls to really have any agency of his own. Exactly. Greg invites a first semester law student over to his place for advice. <laughs> oh, my God. She compliments the apartment and he says it's, quote unquote, not mine. <laughs> Kendall offered to pay for a lawyer. What does she think? My question is, who is Leah and how does Greg know her? I'm guessing they haven't dated. So maybe he knew her from high school? College. Did Greg go to college? He was a mascot. I don't know. Lots of questions about the past of Greg. What age are we putting Greg at? He has got to be 27. Yeah, I was going to say like mid to late 20s. So Leah is a peer, right? Because that's around the age that you would get to law school. If she's first year law school, she's like 23. Around the same age. Yeah. A little younger. You always go later. Right. A funny thing about the show is you really never see them socializing. Yeah. Except with each other. We don't know what Greg does and they always seem to be working. Greg had that one party in his place. When he invited the the next wave at Waystar. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That was funny. That was a good scene. But I thought it would be funny to think of Leo as just like some random chick he picked up at a bar. That Maybe. is like a first year, first year law student. He's like, I need some bad advice. Or he swiped on an app and he found yeah. someone who says, I'm into the law. Yeah. Hey, can you come over right now? No. no. She was some kind of friend. I don't know. It didn't seem like they were that familiar. Maybe she interned at Waystar. Star. She seemed very what the fuck at like the whole situation. And I feel like she didn't know him very well or at all. I read it as more not knowing what to do with that information. That's true because it was kind of like just a bomb. Yeah, like you're kind of asking me way more than I can comment on in any way that's going to help you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Barely know what you're talking about. That's the problem with Greg is like he, he's coming at you as if you already know what he's talking about. There's a knock at the door. It's a lawyer from Waystar that Greg doesn't remember from Congress who's checking in about the FBI. This entire scene is a masterclass in awkwardness. Greg is so clueless and terrified he tries to check in with Leah who offers to text her professor. He's saying he's my lawyer. Do you think he's probably my lawyer? He couldn't like sue me or not arrest me or subpoena me or... I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what any of it means. And he goes back to the lawyer, asks, do you choose me or do I choose you? That was a great line. And sends him along without making a legal promise. I'll call Jerry. I'll call Jerry first. This is my favorite Greg in a long time. I thought that was perfect. The physical comedy of him answering the door is just yes, yes. next level stuff. Then he takes an Uber, awkwardly says five stars as he gets out. I keep saying awkward for Greg, but we should really just automatically include that. I know. That's his whole existence. Yeah. <laughs> Greg means awkward. He's meeting Ewan, Big Gramps in the big city, who's there putting his affairs in order. Ewan calls Kendall a publicity-shy, shrinking violet. And Greg thinks that Kendall's on the same page as Ewan, which, if it doesn't sound too basic, is basically good. Make the company nice and so on. I found his performance histrionic and meretricious. Well, tell me about it. The man is a self-regarding popinjay. This equates to calling Kendall a dramatic, whorish parrot. And I love this dynamic of Greg not understanding a word that Ewan says, but agreeing, just like in Dundee when they're talking about Tacitus. <laughs> Ewan doesn't approve of the way Kendall made his move in public, and Greg wants to chart the right course with both sides offering him a lawyer. He wants independent legal advice. If everyone's showing up to the battle in armor, then I feel kind of exposed here in my loincloth. 
Bad visual, but great point, and Ewan agrees to back him. You're the man. I love you. That's like an iconic Greg line. I feel like he's the only person that would come up with that analogy and deliver it the way that he did. And it works because it actually makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's true. Everyone's got armor. Oh, it's like the most cogent he's been, right? I know. In expressing himself in the past two episodes is that moment. Greg and Ewan are waiting in an attorney's office. It's not the lawyer Greg was recommended, but Pew is a good man and thorough. It's Ewan's estate lawyer with a black eye coffee. And we see immediately why he and Ewan are linked up because he references Charles Babbage's difference engine. It's played by Peter Riegert from Animal House, who perfectly embodies this character with a white beard and long shaggy hair. Thank you for placing him for me. I was thinking it looked a lot like that guy, Rob Morrow from Northern Exposure. But then I was like, he can't be that old. They put him in age makeup. (laughs) And I was wondering that myself. But then I said, "Ah, it just doesn't look right. America's always right. Never left. Finishing each other's sentences already. Pew is incredibly intransigent. And the office is covered with piles of papers. So he's a hoarder lawyer. Priority one, Greg's well-being. Good. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Priority two. Expose the structural contradictions of capitalism is reified in the architecture of corporate America. Uh-huh. Good. Also good. <laughs> You're a little wedge, Greg, to open up the hood and poke around at Waystar. Greg is focused on his position, not getting fired or going to jail. That isn't too selfish. Yeah. <laughs> but Pew's eyes are on the prize and Greg likes it. Oh, Greggles. Yeah. What are we going to do with this guy, man? I just love that. No matter which side people are on, everybody's got their own agenda. Everyone is using him in this. Yeah. Tom's trying to leverage him to reveal that he got the papers. Kendall's using him because he had the papers. Ewan's using him to take down capitalism. Yeah, like, did we always know this? That's arguably the most pure of the intentions. And the only lawyer he knows is in her first year at law school and can text her <laughs> professor. That's what he's got. He doesn't know a lawyer. He knows a student. First year, <laughs> barely a law student. Get Greg some support. We've got a character returning to the show after a couple episode absence here as Marsha is going to reunite with Logan. Logan's playing with his food in the hotel, looks at his phone, nothing. Still waiting on shift. He asks Hugo about Marsha and Hugo keeps lobbing these rhetorical questions up to Logan only to get them spiked back in his face. You want to reach out? Yes, I want to fucking reach out, Hugo. I'm stuck in quicksand. My family have disappeared. The world is wobbling here. Does no one understand what the fuck is happening? I'm losing juice. I can't find the right fucking lawyer. The sky is falling in. So when I say something, it fucking happens. We have to act on the world, the fucking world. We have to act. Yes, sir. This was as low as we've seen Logan get since he was sick. He was unraveling. He played it well. I mean, he looked a mess. Yeah. Look who he's got around him. It's the lack of communication that's hurting him here. Yeah. And the lack of control. He doesn't like the silence because he doesn't trust anyone. So he needs constant updates. He's going after Marsha, Connor, and Ewan. Wants some solid options to where they can fly. Not getting smuggled out of here in a fucking packing case. Carl Hansen Connor. 
Connor and Willa flew back scheduled, so that's what pulled the fort, man. <laughs> they didn't get a private jet. I'm sorry, son. That's tough. <laughs> it was fine. They had movies and a selection of heavily refrigerated cheeses, so, you know, it was really nice. Logan thanks him for holding the fort, Operation Thumb Twiddle, and Logan does the classic Logan move of mentioning a situation that he should apologize for, but never actually apologizing. <laughs> yeah, that was the Logan move. In this case, he's referencing the epic jizzed 100k on a fake Napoleon dick moment from the finale, and it recalls when he didn't apologize for hitting Roman in the face after the Argestes episode. You're pretty rude, Pop. Logan says it's good to know that he can rely on Khan with Kenny going nut-nut and that no one should speak to him and that Khan is number one, kiddo. Praise almost works on Khan and he basks in it for a second. And I thought that Logan would offer Connor money here, but TBD on that. Marsha arrives in Sarajevo and comes face-to-face -face with Logan. One of Jade's biggest issues for why this episode sucked was that he said everything was happening too fast. Everyone showing up at the same time in one night is too convenient. And I would say that Marsha was probably already in Europe, maybe France. That's so funny. I thought of the Marsha thing arriving in Sarajevo just moments after he places the call. <laughs> Reminded me of the, the long dragon flight in Game of Thrones. Where, oh, yes. You know I mean? You're like, oh, really? When they get north of the wall in five seconds. Yes. Like, come on. It is what it is. The show does what it has to do in some of these circumstances. So you just have to roll with it. Those fucking kids of yours. Once again, Logan doesn't apologize. Just says it's not a good time to be estranged. Oh, my God, dude. He's ice cold. I hate him. I don't have time to eat shit, Marsha. Fuck you. He just can't eat shit. She calls him a fool. Closest he gets is admitting that he can sometimes get distracted. And Marsha asks for a small conversation. She sits down with Hugo and Carolina on speakerphone. They try to coach her on how she'll play this, but she has some requests. Logan won't listen to this shit, so Hugo and Carolina have to. <laughs> Humiliated by his infatuation with Rhea, things must be made right. He was led by his prick. She's a whore. And it's not my problem if she wouldn't finish him. Whoa. What? That was a lot. What are we talking about? Are we talking about like planting some stories in page six? Is that what she's after? Like some, some crazy narratives getting out there? No, she's not worried about Rhea at all at this point. No, no. I'm, she wants to humiliate her. What do you think she wants them to do with this information? I think she's just venting because Logan won't listen. Oh, no. I thought she was trying to say, you guys, I want you to get the word out about her. Start planting stories in the press. Planting stories that she's banging other people? <laughs> They can't sabotage Logan, so it can't be about that. That was the interesting thing, because that's what Hugo kept saying. He's like, we want to deny everything. And she's kept pushing. It sounded to me like, no, I want it to be acknowledged and I want her to be demonized in the press. You didn't take that away from that? I thought she was just venting because then she says that she really wants... Her role on the trust finalized, her son's prospects yeah. assured, her daughter taken care of, and improvements in her financial position. Money, please! Money, please. Money, please. Ben, 
Give her some money. It's easier. I get that, but I just don't understand why else she would be so explicit. She's throwing that out there because they, she knows they won't do that. She knows that they're not going to. But she could have just said that. So she's setting it up for all the money she's about to ask for. Yeah, I know, but she's strong enough to ask for that money without having to say those things was my point. I think it's for our benefit. But we'll see. That's a good point, Maze. Yeah. It was a weird line. She hands off to her associate, Celeste, who presents some very large numbers, but when you consider the negative fallout of a public divorce during this situation, she's more reasonable. (laughs) While Hugo is... Soaking in how much money he's going to have to sign the check over for. He looks over and sees Marsha massaging Logan. Hugo's like, I don't get paid enough for this shit. Hugo's in a bad spot, man. It's pretty impossible to be Hugo right now. (laughs) Just going to have to give it all away. (laughs) Logan's watching a news report and decides he has to get back to the city. Time to show the people family unity. Marsha hints at exposing Kendall's murder cover up. And Logan says to drop some bombs, you get burnt too, you know. Exposing Kendall's murder also exposes the Mm cover-up and would cause backlash onto Logan and the company. Mm -hmm. It certainly is in the chamber, but they don't want to have to fire that unless absolutely necessary. He was at the house. Logan was there. He went to the dead kid's house. Yeah, like there's no going back from that. That's not an ammunition you can fire. All right, we've had our Greg the Egg Soup and our Marsha salad, it's time for the main course. The Roy kids are in New York. After talking Greg off the ledge, Jess shows Kendall a text. Oh, fuck yeah. As Jess clear Lisa and her associates out of his ex-wife's living room. Thank you, mental giants. Jess clears the room and presents Kendall with the Trojan horse, which is from Stewie, instantly making him my favorite for number one boy this episode. Kendall wonders who the Trojan horse is here, so let's consider that as well. Mm-hmm. Who is smuggling inside the horse? Is Stewie going to smuggle his way into Waystar with Kendall being the horse? So then he can come out and kill everyone at night. Is Kendall been the horse all along? I was a little confused at the analogy too, because I guess what I'm saying is I don't know the answer to your question. Yeah, right. I I wasn't sure how to interpret that. I knew it was from Stewie. But like that doesn't make sense because if it's from Stewie, if we're going with the traditional Trojan horse Mm -hmm. analogy, that would mean that Stewie's infiltrating to try to get them to let their guard down, but that doesn't make any sense. Like, that's not how the episode went. Maybe Stewie's saying you're a Trojan horse. I don't know. Okay. I think it's to be revealed what what meaning it holds. I'm not the only one that didn't... Okay. No, because nobody was inside of it, right? Right. There's nothing hiding inside, unless it was the donuts, but that was separate. (laughs) 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 So maybe it it alluded to the donuts in some fashion. I also love the idea of... Stewie calling some sculptor, short order. Yeah, like, dude. Whip me up a Trojan horse. Got any available? I know. In an hour? It's the same day as it was the last episode. Good point, yeah. Money can make art happen quick. Yeah, that's for sure. Actually, let's not assume he had to have it made. He just had to find one 
and have it delivered. Or he probably just has one. It was just one of his Trojan horses he had in his storage space. <laughs> he just has one laying around ready to send out. Sandy's been a collector for a long time. <laughs> Go to the MoMA vaults and get my Trojan horse <laughs> and have it delivered to Rava's house. <laughs> there was definitely a half second hesitation where I thought that Kendall had it made for himself. <laughs> That would have made more sense almost, though. Jess asks, you want me to look inside of it? It's mind games. Send it back. But I want to meet with him. He also said it means something, remember? (laughs) It does mean something. That is for sure. (laughs) Shiv gets off the elevator and sees the horse. Oh, there he is. The little man who started this big war. Roman catches Jerry photographing her name on the TV ticker for her daughters. That is so cute. How are your daughters? You got pictures? Jerry makes him back off. This is it, huh? The order prevails. The gas also rises. It's like when you see those lists of popes and emperors and some of them have asterisks by their names. (laughs) Poor Jerry very much understands exactly what's happening to her. Roman is talking with his hands a lot. He hopes she's not anxious that she's chained herself to a fire hydrant that spews out cultural insensitivity and sperms. As his eyes flutter and he licks his lips suggestively. So creepy. Oh, God. This conversation made my stomach turn. Jerry needs family support. She's open to cooperation and input. You have good instincts. Thank you. You also have horrible instincts, like not cooperating. But you've got a finger on the pulse. News and culture and whatnot. As he surfs the web. He cuts her off. He wants to be on an executive committee. But Jerry doesn't want to dilute her potency. Roman is angling for a partnership, and Jerry is trying to bring him in slowly, which Roman likey-likeys, and Jerry will consider the executive committee, which has good angles. Here we go. Your apprenticeship begins. Kendall has a huge smile on his face, but Shiv is dubious. She asks about Lisa, but that's not why she's here. Kendall asks her to join him. Shiv acknowledges that Logan's sacrificing him was cold, but Kendall understands it made sense. Who else was he going to choose? Unless, you know, he took responsibility himself which we all know is obviously not going to happen, even though it's the right move. Shiv calls it a snake move. The situation was a situation. I felt like I had no choice. Come on, that was self-aggrandizing bullshit. It was a peacock fuck show. Kendall says that Shiv is angry with herself because she knows he did the right thing and she laughs it off. You fucked the family, or I saved the family. They've all been navigating conflicting loyalties, and that's difficult. You tell yourself you're a good person, but you're not a good person. Right now, I'm the real you. What fucking ever. Shiv asks where the papers are. Lose those, all this goes away. Burn them, apologize to dad. Right, say I had some deli sushi and everything went a little hazy. But Kendall's serious, he wants Shiv on his side. And Jess interrupts, they have a visitor. It's Roman. Kendall asks Shiv if she wants Roman to come up and Ken reiterates that he wants Shiv. Also, Lisa needs two minutes. Lisa tells Kendall that she needs him for 8 to 10 hours and he could not be less interested. He has gone from begging her to make him her puppet to treating her like an employee. And as we have discussed before, the Roys treat anyone who works for them like garbage. He's got bigger fish and proceeds to scribble on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, and give it to Jess. Bigger fish than staying out of prison? Lisa's talking about reviewing the papers, what to submit to the government. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Ken, the FBI may be showing up at your door now. Could be getting a search warrant. But, uh, big picture, what are you hearing? Logan's pushing political buttons. Might play hardball and not cooperate. Which would be amazing. I mean, that's just a really terrible, terrible decision. Ken is worried he might shut it all down, which Lisa doubts, but Kendall knows better than to question Logan's power. Still afraid. 
You need to prepare for all eventualities. We might need to call the state police to arrest the FBI. What? <laughs> we might need to plan to fly me out without a tail number to Frankfurt or Venezuela. I'm not serious, okay? But I am serious. Jess drops the envelope on the table in front of Shiv. Shiv finally answers a call from Tom and lies about her location. Tom asks about Jerry. Shiv says it's fine. Just another fucking humiliation. Goes to open the envelope and sees fuck you in a smiley face. So Kendall, in the middle of meeting with his very expensive, very important lawyer, <laughs> decides to play games with Shiv. They're children. And yet he was in a good head this episode for the most part. He was thinking clearly the things he said to Lisa were spot on. He's right. I mean, even though Logan is floundering, there is the chance that he'll be able to squash this. But I just love that he moved the lawyers to, I don't know, what was that? The third dining room? Where were they working? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's got bigger fish to fry, which is talking shit with his siblings. I was shocked we didn't get a scene with Rava saying, I'm just going to get a hotel. Rava just said, I'm fucking I'll out of here. I'll see you in a few days. Exactly. Yeah. She did not show up again. Right. The kids are nowhere to be found. Nowhere to be seen. It's pretty clear that he's just completely taken over and she probably hates him. Went out of town for the weekend. In fairness, though, Maze, these conversations he was having with Shiv, Roman, and Connor are bigger fish. We're the bigger fish at the moment. It's true. If he had pulled that off, that was going to turn everything around and would have trumped a lot of, I mean, not necessarily the FBI investigation and the things of that nature, but he, he was right to prioritize it. He was right to prioritize it, but it's just indicative of the way that this show works, which is that it puts the family literally above the government, above the FBI, above the law, above everything. Yes, it did that in many ways this episode, for sure. Yeah. Shiv tries to sign off and, you know, I love you. Tom continues to try the thank you response. <laughs> Do you love me too? Why? I feel like it's a pretty important thing. You know, you can't just take my love and bank it and then take a view of the love market and see if you want to invest in me. But then Tom caves and says he does love her. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was disappointed. I was like, keep up the passive aggressive act, dude. You know he can't, though, because he's Tom. I know. It's too bad. It's good to know we don't have an unbalanced love portfolio. <laughs> Roman enters with a gift. He's surprised to see Shiv, even though he had his suspicions. Who's oldest then? Shiv claims to have had her phone off, no agenda, even though she just got off the phone. Jerry's looking into buying a private island in the Philippines, so regular stuff. What is your fucking game? Why? What's yours? Yet another round of Roy poker. Kendall enters. They exchange facetious pleasantries. Kendall says he feels a certain amount of regret, but, you know, pretty cleansed. Great reactions from both Shiv and Roman. They call bullshit. They'll learn how he's really doing at a national press conference. Actually, I'm not fine. Roman is a dick. And then he gestures towards the Danish cinnamon things he brought. Ken asks Shiv if she looked in his trap envelope and celebrates with a fuck you. He wants to clean slate it. Mockingly apologizes for burning Logan, but he's over. So let's work together to take over and help him move on out. Roman announces he's just here to spy. Shiv is just here to get him to back down. And a lawyer walks in to get a paper. Shiv refers to him as the dog walker and asks for privacy. Kendall confusedly looks around before pointing at Sophie's room, and Roman mocks him for failing to remember his daughter's name. They go into the daughter's room. Kendall says, don't touch anything. Roman touches everything. Let's gang up on dad and take him down. Jesus, let me shut the door first. 
<laughs> Shiv asked why he didn't come to them before. It's a real fucking mess now. It came together for me in my head late. The understatement of the year from Kendall. <laughs> Roman asked if it was spontaneous. Kendall spoke with a lawyer who advised against it. I don't want to rehash it all, but I was effectively acting alone. Right. A spontaneous, heartfelt outpouring of thoroughly lawyered emotion. Shiv says he's made it very hard, but she's here to get him to back down. Shiv and Roman are constantly measuring each other here, looking for one of them to show a sign of what they're going to do. And Jess interrupts once again. It's Connor. I thought I heard a clown car pulling up. Ken wants to make a family and media appearance. Just the four of them. Oh, sweet. Are we going to be wearing costumes that you designed, asshole? Connor enters. Here we all are. They all claim to be here on dad's behalf. Kendall wants devices off, pulls up a seat to give his rapid reaction TEDx. So, <laughs> my thing is, if this shit was just epiphenomenal, maybe it could be written out. But these incidents are symptomatic of a foundational sickness within our father and his company. Don't use that tongue prettier than a $20 whore. <laughs> yeah, like, what's your point? My point is the milk is going sour. Well, that explains you it. You know, the, the great whites, from politics to culture, they're rolling off stage. It's our time. Oh, you mean us? This multi-fucking ethnic transgender alliance of 20-something dreamers we got right here? <laughs> Good. Big picture, we're at the end of the long American century. Our company is a declining empire inside a declining empire. Amen, brother. People are... are, are killing themselves with guns or dope so fast that we're losing pace. Unsubscribe. We're, we're fat-fingered fucks and we can only live on cream. U.S. supremacy is waning. What I think is, within that context, we can become omninational and reposition. Because actually we are not tied, culturally or physically, so, so we are actually in a great position to leapfrog tech. Information is going to be more precious than water in the next hundred. Combine all our news operations, become the global news information hub. Amazon is 20 years old, Gates is an old geezer. Detoxify our brand, and we can go supersonic. Eden, Buzzword City. Yo. Buzzword International. He just word vomits buzzwords constantly. It's impressive, honestly. He's insane. He's delusional. Yes, delusional. Delusional is the only word for it. He is head up in the clouds. He has this idea that he can take ATN or Waystar Royco, which is essentially Fox News, and make them the most relevant international company in the world says that Amazon is old news because they're 20 years old. <laughs> I d <sighs> he didn't even talk about streaming. There's a lot he didn't talk about, Jake, because none of this is a plan. This is all <laughs> bullshit. Information is king. He's not too wrong about that. We've had peeks into Kendall's business philosophy before. I think most of this goes back to the first season when he thinks that he's going to leverage the board and vote his dad out. He was talking about shit like this, but man, what's great is that none of it really lands with the kids because they, one, don't have their own ideas right. about what to do instead. It's a great point. And two, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So they don't even know what he's talking about. That was the beautiful thing about it all, because at least it was an idea. <laughs> no matter how far afield from reality it might be, it was a concept. You know, and you're absolutely right. They didn't really know what to make of it because 
they don't have any concepts. I mean, that's kind of the the rolling joke with Shiv. It's like, what would she do? How would she be CEO? We've never heard yeah. her do anything but talk about how to prevent things from a press perspective because that's her actual background. Her experience, yeah. She doesn't actually have any experience. That's what, just what they keep saying about her constantly. So she's definitely a little bit head up in the clouds too in the sense that she keeps wanting right. the top spot. And it's like, with what receipts, bro? I mean, sis, I guess. Because at least Roman has the common sense to be like, Maybe it'd be better if it were Jerry. Now, whether that's a selfish move on the one hand, because he's like, she'd be better to shield me, or he's just forming an alliance with her because he knows she's talented in this space. It doesn't really matter. He just knows that on some level, he's not equipped to do this gig. And, you know, Connor, I mean, that was so funny when he went to Connor, he's like, You'll take the rest of the world. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Connor, who's done nothing. Connor loved the statement about declining empire inside a declining empire. Amen, brother. He agrees with that. <laughs> a declining empire within a declining empire. I mean, he was right on that front too, Mace. <laughs> I mean, he, he had some truth bombs. This is a classic example of you're not wrong, but you're just an asshole. Right. What are you talking about? <laughs> And Shiv is just a spin doctor. That's all that she's proven that she can do. She can take a story and try to repackage it. Which is exactly what happened in her phone call with Tom. Because there was absolutely no conversation about her becoming CEO. But she positions it to Tom as a possibility. It was kind of funny. They all hear what they want to hear. After Kendall gives his TEDx, he looks around for validation. So I disagree with you, Jake. Because he is begging for someone to be like, yeah, Kendall, you fucking nailed it, bro. Okay, a little different here, though, because he needs their buy-in to get them on board. So, of course, he's going to see if they're receptive to what he's putting in front of them. I I saw it a little differently than the neediness he exhibited in the last episode on every front. (laughs) What? (laughs) Who was that? That was Eden disagreeing with you, Jake. That's what that was. Roman doesn't want to portray their father. He's a central player in a rotten cabal that has basically eaten the heart out of American democracy. Rotten Cabal is a good name for a band. That was a good shout out. Roman says it could have been someone else. Maybe. Maybe we're all irrelevant. Maybe there were always going to be death camps and maybe the planet is going to fry and there's nothing we can do. Or maybe people make a difference. Do you think human beings matter? <laughs> Kendall on his self-righteous bullshit. Seriously. Roman repeats once again that he's a spy. He's going to share everything. He's with dad. Fuck you. Kendall's trying to be open-hearted and invite them in. A ticket to the escape pod. Kendall asks Roman how he feels about Jerry, and Roman says it was a good choice. Shiv scoffs at him defending Jerry. Jerry you can't hide that. under the covers with mommy. Oh, fuck off, Siobhan. Oh, you love showing your pee-pee to everyone, but someday you know you're actually going to have to fuck something. Fuck you. Rowan, bitch. The Shiv insult hit way too close to home, and Rowan walks out. Connor decides to go after him, but pauses to tell Shiv it was low. He calls it an overreaction. Can we just try to keep this nice? It's not my fault he has a sex thing. Was I too harsh? Are you kidding? He loves it. He'll be out there jerking off wearing my ex-wife's panties. Peak family dysfunction portrayed on this show. Yeah, there was something nice to see that moment shared between Shiv and Kendall, right? (laughs) Funny, yeah. They get their brother. 
Well, that's the thing. They get it. They know that he's got major sexual problems. Issues, yeah. What they don't know is that he is in love with Jerry because that insult actually hurt the invincible boy who is used to just dealing out his own insults willy-nilly. This one hit home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Connor brings Roman back in. Shiv fakely apologizes like when they did baby talk on the yacht. (laughs) Sorry. Roman shrugs it off. He went to the bathroom. I don't give a shit. You whore. Dad is complicated, but he did or let bad stuff happen. They got to take responsibility, pay their dues, wash their hands for absolution. Shiv claims she didn't know, and the Roys get into an interesting roundtable about what they actually knew about the scandals. Connor backs Kendall, mentions Mo and the wolf pack. They knew the jokes, the vibe, the grubby fat asses who took the cruises, the blind eyes, payoffs, foreign workers crushed like meat in a fucking grinder. It wasn't their fault, but they knew. Shiv didn't know dancers were fucking for their jobs or that they threw migrants off boats and covered it up. What are you talking about? Don't get in the pool with Mo. Shiv didn't get in the pool because she was 15. Well, you know now, this is all a sidebar. Sidebar, side shit. Move forward from a position of truth. Shiv asks if they're excluded from the kingdom of heaven if they don't go along with him, and Kendall gets a text, blames his kids, just wants to hug his kids and leaves the room. (laughs) Kendall runs downstairs, and it's not his kids, it's Stewie, who immediately strengthens his number one boy candidacy with a Godfather reference. Thanks for the horse, man. Very funny. Yeah. Well, I wanted to send a real one. Well, a severed head, but you wouldn't believe the paperwork. Look... Sorry I couldn't, you know, fold you in or alert you on the press conference. Dude, I got to see the Vietnamese monk set himself on fire. I got a ticket to the greatest freak <laughs> show on earth. The Godfather decapitated horse head is a much better message to send and makes much more sense. So I love that he jokes that he settled for the Trojan horse, which just fucks with Kendall effectively. <laughs> right. Well, there's our answer. By the way, that's the moment where I thought he was going to buy drugs. And he <laughs> might as well have been because it's Stewie. I know. <laughs> his habitual drug withholder. That's right. Good point. Kendall asks how it plays, says he can kill Logan, which Stewie's happy about. They'll listen, but Stewie doesn't see it. Then we get a Sandy misdirection as Sandy's daughter has his exact name and is played by Hope Davis. <laughs> It's made me wonder if Larry Pine is okay or what's happening with him. Same. And it was probably just a COVID complication. Possibly. Couldn't get him on set. They didn't even show him. Didn't even show him. He didn't even talk. He said maybe one word. One line. Ken makes his pitch to Sandy. I could give you two hours, two minutes, or two words. Short is better. Back me. Well, maybe a little bit more. (laughs) Ken says Sandy wants to beat Logan. Sandy says it's business fundamentals. That's Sandy, the daughter. Ken offers the same deal as in Greece, but dad's gone, wants to avoid a contested shareholder vote. Connor is on the phone, concerned about his wine cellar. He's looking at a geological survey that's worrying him. Shiv and Rome check in with each other. Hear him out and report, right? Protect dad. If they knifed him, he'd bleed out. Roman doesn't care to speculate. Just a statement of fact. Roman accuses Shiv of making fucky eyes. Mmm, bleed out. Not necessarily true. This is dad. He's Moby Dick. He could take us all down with his back riddled with harpoons. Everyone backs Ken. Logan is toast. Shiv thinks this is their moment and is having real considerations. First Rhea, now Jerry. It's not great. He's not infallible, Rome. No, sure. I just don't think he ever fails or ever will. (laughs) Just incredible. He's not dad from 20 years ago. He's now dad. Connor says if they allied, it's hard to imagine him surviving. Square Frank and Carl, he is toast. Maybe. Yes, B. They could win a spooked board, but Roman is concerned it might actually kill him. 
Kendall comes back in. Shiv hypothesizes that if they win, what about the proxy battle? How does the family stay in control? Kendall spoke with Sandy and Stewie. They'd back down if they give dad a revolver. Busy fucking B. No vote. They'd settle. I don't know what I think about dad. I love him. I hate him. I'm going to outsource it to my therapist, but he was going to send me to jail. <laughs> Says he'd do the same to Rome or Khan. Maybe not Shiv. So what do we owe him here, really? Roman asks what the shape of the new fucking reality would be anyway, them leapfrogging Amazon. We're looking at 323 BC, basically. Oh, naturally. The death of Alexander the Great. Ken takes Asia. Rome takes Egypt. Shiv takes Europe. Khan? The rest of the world. Separate divisions. Ken would be CEO on paper as we shift to these spheres of influence. Roman stuck on Ken overseeing them. I'd offer my leadership initially as a necessary part of a transformational process. Buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. <laughs> you would do that for us? Oh, you're so generous. Thanks, Ken. In Ken's position, that doesn't work. It's a stretch. It's a fucking scrotum over a timpani drum. Shiv says she was going to join him. She'd need to take over. Whoa, Nelly. There it is. Ken says she doesn't have the experience. You're a busted flush. I'm the only person who can reform. You're too divisive. You're still seen, I don't see you this way, but you're still seen as a token, woman, wonk, woke, snowflake. I don't think that, but the market does. Bullshit! It's true, I just spoke to the market. Interim chair, new directors, clean broom, figure out how to split the spoils. Shiv and Roman have calls to make, but Shiv wants a clean jar, this stays in here. And they both immediately go talk to somebody else about it. Shiv calls Tom, who quietly leaves Logan's room, then feigns surprise at hearing she's at Kendall's house. Ken offered an alliance, Shiv asks about Logan. The Bosnians want them to leave. <laughs> Time's up in Sarajevo. I just feel like Tom has all of these little moments that could only be delivered by him. He does a great job in this episode with not a lot to work with. I completely agree. This actor is just yeah. fully living in this character. It works. Because he essentially is still just Shiv's pet poodle. Yeah. His big stand to withhold his love from her lasted one episode. So <laughs> not great. Tom asks who ends up King Potato. Shiv is insecure that she's nobody. Never worked for the company. No job title. Asked Tom if he can see her taking the throne. Now she's the one looking for validation. Roman also calls his significant other Jerry. Hey, Jerry Bear. So I'm just going to put my dick in your mad scheming scissor hands here. Jerry says, Roman, like she thinks he's calling for phone sex, but no, it's serious. Put aside her personal nightmare and tell him what happens if they join Kendall. Jerry says it zaps Logan, but none of them come through. It's Snake Linguini. They all get burnt. But Roman can't trust her, right? Her advice is so compromised as to be completely worthless. Jerry tells him to stick with her. They have something going, and she's a very dangerous enemy to whom he's just imparted prejudicial information. Well, don't threaten me, Jerry. I don't have time to jerk off. Back in Kendall's ex-wife's living room, Connor <laughs> is sitting with a box of donuts from Logan. Pretty innocent, and I'm sure safe to eat donuts. <laughs> he wants them all to have a nice tea party. So who's the leak? Where did the donuts come from? I liked Jake's idea that it was Tom. That's a strong, strong candidate right there. Yeah, because I just can't believe they came from Logan. Because he doesn't know. There's no indication in that room that he knows anything at all. I mean, especially when he talks to Roman later in the episode and he indicates that he's with Shiv. I mean, he's just a bundle of nerves. There's, there's no way he sent those donuts. So the leaks are Tom, Greg. Greg didn't do it. Nope. Tom, the move doesn't really play. The move is a little strange, but he's a schemey guy. What if it's Roman? Oh, yeah, it could be um... Roman, too. Yeah. 
just disrupting things. I mean, because in the end, what I was going to ask you. Is he smart enough to pull that off? Well, but he's a schemer. He's a great schemer. And he does have ideas. And there's not enough time for Jerry to have done it. And the thing that we haven't talked about is Roman shows up and he's surprised to see Shiv. That seems apparent. Right. So why is Roman going there? And I don't think Roman's going there with the same open to hearing what Kendall might have to say thing that Shiv went for. I think he's genuine. I think he went there genuinely to see if he could get some information or even get him to back off and win the day for Logan and Jerry. That makes a lot of sense. I like that idea. Connor goes for a bite and Shiv stops him. You think he would send poison donuts to the house of his grandchildren? <laughs> I'm like 98% sure those aren't poison. <laughs> These are irrelevant. Oh, no, no, no. These are relevant donuts. Kendall is putting the pressure on. It's over. We're in. New dawn. Connor keeps looking at the donuts and decides that he's out. Well, fine. You're irrelevant. Like the donuts, you guys. Kendall gets mean, repeats, you're not wanted over and over again, then scoffs and turns to Roman. Who passes? Dude. We will win this together. What you eat, don't make me shit. There's enough for us all. Yeah, what's with the Jay-Z reference? <laughs> Why is he dropping the Jay-Z reference L there? to the OG. <laughs> we know that Kendall's a hip-hop head. That's true. Episode one deep cut is him listening to rap on his $500 headphones. I forgot. Yes. Roman's with dad. He told him so. You're a fucking moron. Kendall's really starting to crumble here. Deep breath. Yeah, he really falls apart. Shiv. She's with dad and Kendall wants to know why. Have you been spooked by fucking donuts? That's pathetic, Shiv. You owe me a fucking explanation. Sounds like a narcissist that just got dumped, Eden. Yeah. Guess what? She's out. She doesn't have to explain shit to you. <laughs> it's over. Well, Connor bails because he's afraid of Logan. He's afraid of the donuts. Yeah, that was funny. He's just afraid of his father. He doesn't want to be cut off. He's got nothing on his own. Then Roman doesn't need He's only going if they're all going, right? That's clear. And Shiv would be essential. Now, Connor could bail and Shiv could go and Roman could go with them. But Roman was always going to be tough to crack. And Shiv just, I think it's the same issue. They can't get with him being leading the ship. They all want to be King Roy. Yeah. It's amazing. They all have their terms. And their own egos... Don't allow them to see a better scenario if it doesn't work out for them. Does she not believe him? She's doing the wrong thing over the right thing. Shiv recognizes his anger and doesn't want him to project his disappointment onto her. Too late! It's high tide! Shiv goes to leave and Kendall fully collapses here like a human Jenga tower. I mean, is it cowardice or avarice? I'm intrigued. It's because you don't take over, is that it? Well, good luck with sleeping on that, Shiv. Fuck you, Plastic Jesus. You're a fucking twat. <laughs> I was the only one you wanted, yeah? I was the only one who mattered. Yeah, only because you're the girl. Girls count double now, didn't you know? Oh, yeah. No, I know. I fucking know. It's only your teats that give you any value. So, you know, it's only your teats. You're calling it wrong. And you're fucking over the victims, and you're fucking the company at the AGM, and therefore, Renewal at the company, and, and the country, and probably the planet, so well done, dipshit. I just don't want to destroy dad. I'm a national figure. It's not right to kill one's yeah, father. Yeah, you're a prick. History you're teaches us that. You're a national fucking that. prick. Yeah. Save the planet, Ken. 
You're a fucking prick. Oh, thanks for Good coming night. in person. Good night. Thanks You're a fucking a prick, idiot. What? Why teats? Seriously, that's such a terrible word. Why'd they drop the British version of... <laughs> Is that because the writer's British? They do what they want. They just are running out of insults on this show. They yeah. have to plumb the depths. Who says teats? Who says that? <laughs> Kendall Roy. thought I was watching Monty Python for a minute. Roman calls Logan from the car with Shiv. Calls her the one who matters. Roman says she wasn't wobbly, trying to get to Ken, but couldn't change his mind. Because he's gone bananas. Logan asks if Shiv is solid, and Roman confirms. Then Logan calls Roman Tumbledown again. Is that like a running nickname? Were we doing this? Tumbledown Dick? <laughs> he's getting out of this shithole. They should be together. Logan arrives at the airport. The paparazzi is there. He throws a fake punch at Roman, and they hug. Once again, a subtle reference to when he actually hit Roman in the face. And then he walks right by Jerry's handshake. The absolute coldest moment of the episode. Jerry goes with the hand extended. Doesn't even see her. Ice cold. Straight to Carolina for a folder and into the car with Shiv. Booting Tom to the front seat. Calls Shiv Pinky. A hug would have been nice. Shiv thanks him for the donuts and Logan looks kind of baffled. See? Definitely didn't seem like he sent it. Yeah. Logan wanted pictures of the hug. Oh, yeah, sure. Captain Cuddles. And he gets down to business. He wants to bring Shiv in before the shareholder meeting at a high level. What's it mean? means whatever she wants it to mean. So, made up. Someone at the top with credibility. A mascot. My eyes and ears, Shiv. At the heart of everything through the shitstorm. But wearing a full chemical and biological suit. Going by the name of Jerry Kelman. Roman gets in the car with Jerry. Kendall finally shows up at Lisa's office is in a hat and shades, looking bored as fuck as she starts unloading her eight to 10 hour presentation on him. And Shiv is lost in thought for a minute before she smiles with Logan. Credits. So it's the same proposition Jerry essentially makes to Roman without the high level executive title. Yeah, there's going to be a split here within Logan's side, which is yeah, Jerry and Roman. Big time. And Shiv yep. and Logan. But you can't trust Logan at all because he panders to Roman, he panders to Connor, and he panders to Shiv in this episode, and he continues to just do whatever he wants and push all the right buttons with all of his children. Right. And what's also interesting about this episode is he rightfully suspects Jerry of, of scheming against him and, and utilizing this position for her own gain, but... Does that mean he needs to make an enemy out of her <laughs> right away? Like, what was with the diss? Ignoring her at the airport just seems like a weird move. I guess it's because she wasn't a photo op. He wanted the whole thing to be a photo op. Yes. So shaking his new CEO's hand, who cares? The deliberate diss, though. The lack of any kind of acknowledgement. No gesture of hello of any kind seemed a bit extreme. Maybe it's because he knows that he shish kebobbed her here. Yeah. Logan's kind of like desperate now. Still needs her on his side, though. But like he doesn't know how to be a human. And we just spent the whole episode talking about how he can't. He doesn't know how to like actually apologize to anyone. I know, but he was just with her yesterday. <laughs> it's a strange move. I don't totally understand his thinking behind yeah. just walking right past her. But 
between what he tells Roman at the beginning of the episode and calling her a full chemical and biological suit, he considers her burnt. She's dead to him. Yeah. And it's only a matter of time, but he's going to keep her in place to absorb all of the warfare that's about to go down. I guess that I did forget that it's only been yesterday. <laughs> it feels yeah right once you put it like that it's like okay it's hard to know like maybe it's two days later because they did fly to new york right but still it's not a month ago <laughs> no but it's pretty recent he just made the decision it was a fast moving episode with very few set pieces so i was impressed at how they kept things ratcheted up at a very intense level it moved really quickly this episode which yeah. seems counterintuitive given that it, on the one hand felt like it was a slow moving build up episode performances as always were top notch it was good the highlight for me was definitely kendall's tedx in his daughter's bedroom the daughter's bedroom was just like chef's kiss how can we make him look even more like a child let's put him in a kid's room <laughs> to listen to him give his vision of the future his insane vision of the future and that takes us to our awards. Who shit the bed? Ha! Ah! Ah! So as you can see, the mystery of who pooped the bed has been solved. I think there's only one person who really lost in this episode. There's only one contender. Yeah. Three strikes and you're out. Drum roll. Kendall Roy. Big time, big time. Better luck next time. Do you guys feel kind of... Weird that, like, it's already at this point. What this show is teaching me is that these things are so fluid. Right. They took us all the way to the point yeah. of all the siblings having real second thoughts. Second thoughts, yeah. Like the roller coaster ride. Every single sibling says, Dad's dead if we do this. Yeah. And then he's dead. Jerry says he's dead. Tom says he's dead. Everyone is in agreement. All they have to do is put their hands in and say one, two, three, go team. And they can't do it. Right. And I thought one of the cool things about the episode that it accomplished was it reminded you that they are a part of a family together. Yes. Those politics are coming into play too. The sibling politics, the family politics, just that they have among each other outside of the business, that they, they can't you know undo those things just because of what happened in the press conference. And then it ratchets them up a level so that now, you know, now that they're not just siblings, they're competitors for a role at this company for the, for the same role that they're all vying for. So I thought it did a really good job of balancing those two things. But yeah, I was disappointed in him because I was rooting for him. No matter how crazy the ideas are, at least he's coherent and has a vision of some kind, of any kind. And then he completely breaks down into a temper tantrum at the end. When he was free of Waystar and just taking his millions, probably billions of dollars around and being a venture capitalist, mm -hmm. that's when he's really spitting a lot of the buzzword philosophy that he lives by. Mm -hmm. And no one bit. He couldn't find people to make it happen. He couldn't find anyone who agreed with him and wanted to get into business with him. So his vision is still diluted and definitely it's just impossible. But he was also trying to extend his brand where his brand wasn't wanted. Let's not forget that. 
his name was a weight around his neck exactly. that prevented him from getting into the exclusive party. It's not that they didn't want the money. It's that they just didn't want the affiliation. And once again, does he think that the affiliation is going to go away if his dad is taken out? The company is going to be left in shambles. Well, to be honest with you, that part of his strategy didn't ring untrue to me. In today's climate with a 20, 30, 40 year plan, you can untether yourself from what your brand is today and become a different brand a decade from now because change is so fast. Whether they could actually do that's another story, but it's possible. This episode made me think that Kendall is the Trojan horse for Sandy and Stewie. If they send him in to kill Logan... Dude, everybody's a Trojan horse. Greg's a Trojan horse. <laughs> Greg's a Trojan horse to take down capitalism, yes. Right. <laughs> if Sandy and Stewie send Kendall in and he takes out Logan... Yes. And like Jerry says, burns all of the siblings in the process... Yes. Then Sandy and Stewie come in and clean up the mess, take over Waystar, and they win. Yeah, that tracks... Jerry kind of laid out the real facts of the matter. Yeah. There's no way any of you are going to be the CEO in this scenario. Right. And we don't know. For all we know, that's essentially what Tom said to Shiv. We got to hear what Jerry, her response to Roman was. But we actually never heard what Tom's thoughts were. Yeah, I'm sure they were really on point and incisive and just touched <laughs> the core of the issue, Jake. I think we'll get a lot Shiv, of Tom next do episode. do you do your house chores in the nude? <laughs> That's such a Tom like line. Oh my god! Tom always with his homoeroticism. Yeah, it's so funny. It's called footstooling. <laughs> footstooling. Should I Google that tonight? <laughs> so that takes us to the final question of this episode: Who is our number one boy? You're my number one boy. Is it Marsha coming back to the family and recouping a nice? payout in the process is it stewie for the trojan horse gift and then the godfather reference is it shiv for getting appointed president at the very end there what do you think eden who won this episode it's a tough one because no one really stands out to me as particularly winning did logan win by getting all the kids back on the team i don't think so i would have to say in the context of the episode it would either be logan or jerry it was more that they turned down kendall not that they right. have bought in with their dad logan avoided losing yes he didn't win there it is yeah yeah that's what i'm trying to say well it's his collective doing. It wasn't his doing in the episode, but the collective weight of everything he's done up until this episode. You know, it's like Roman said, the two things that Roman said, I'm afraid it might kill him, right? You knew he wasn't going to turn the moment he said that. I'm afraid it might actually kill him. And B, I'm afraid he can't lose. Yeah. He's so damn powerful. He's not infallible, but he can't fail. He wins by dint of deferring everything and keeping things in his favor. But ultimately, Jerry moved the ball forward. See, that's interesting because this episode essentially cements that Jerry is totally fucked. So I don't think it can be a win for Jerry either. Potentially. Right. We don't know how it's going to play out. Doesn't look good for her. Logan appointed her knowing that this position would take a lot of the heat off of his kids. Yes. But she knew that too. She did. We knew. She knew. 
Everybody knows. I agree, Eden, that it doesn't seem like there's a clear winner in this episode, which is why I want to go with Stewie. <laughs> Just because the dude bats a thousand. <laughs> he never misses. He comes in That's and he true. always delivers heat. <laughs> Not wrong. Not wrong. <laughs> Gotta love Stewie. Yeah, you always love Stewie. I just can't. It's hard to go with a character only was in this episode for two minutes. But if you think about it in the sense, who didn't lose the most? If you come in and make one shot and everybody gets blown out, then you won. You're right. I can accept it for sure. I mean, he hasn't even done coke in like five episodes. I know. Can't wait. <laughs> I say Stewie. Jake says Jerry. Eden, where are you at? Drum roll. I'll go with Jerry, too. Whoa, back to back. Wow, number one girls. Sold it. Sold it. And that's after I got the cat meow dismissal earlier or whatever that sound was. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a major. I think I just won the episode. <laughs> In a twist that no one saw coming. Jake Hoy is our number one boy. He's our number one Hoy. And that's Eden Liu. I'm Anthony Mays. We'll see you next week on Cued Up. <laughs>